0: You want your five-star matches? <laughs> you want your 30-minute classics? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> Big meaty men slapping me. <laughs> is good ladies and gentlemen this is another episode of the slapping me to wrestling podcast um i'm your host randall beatley just like always this is a podcast by a casual fan for wrestling fans i mean i don't necessarily like i don't make this just for you know casual fans or hardcore i make it for anyone who wants to listen just to sort of preface that um because there are other podcasts, like a lot of podcasts are, we're for the hardcore fans, we're going to talk about things hardcore fans want to talk about, you have other podcasts, that, like we're for the casual fans, we're going to talk about news and and all of this, and we're specifically going to cater to the casual fan, and I'm in the middle where I, I personally feel that I am a casual fan, um, but I want to make, Um, content for whoever wants to listen. If you're a hardcore fan, and you watch everything, and you spend time, and you buy merch, and you go to events, and and you're a hardcore fan, I want to make content for you. I want you to listen. If you're a casual fan, and you, you you maybe watch just Raw, or Raw and Smackdown, and that's it, and you don't really spend money on on the WWE shop, you don't watch AEW. You don't necessarily necessarily care about that. I also want to make content for you. Um, however, to to sort of do both, we will talk about some things. So if you don't want to listen to my AEW stuff, that's fine. If you don't want to listen to my WWE stuff, you just want my AEW stuff, that's fine, right? But I I want I want to sort of create a a platform where everyone has something that I make something for everyone. Um, and everyone has something that they can listen to and we can have discussions, but I do want to sort of preface this that I watch wrestling through the lens of a, what I would call a casual fan. Um, as someone who and to me, a casual fan is someone who recognizes that it is a story, it is a television show, and it's not a real sporting event in terms of like, like, I guess for me, the definition for a casual fan for me is someone who recognizes that the event is meant for strictly entertainment purposes and that the matches don't actually matter. Right? If you're not telling a story, then what you're doing in the ring is completely worthless. That's what I would consider a casual fan. So when I watch something like AEW that is not at all catered to the casual fan, I, try, I still try to watch it through the casual perspective. If you can't tell by the title, we are reviewing Full Gear. Um, I stated in my last episode that I'm going to start watching... AEW Weekly, just the televised product, Rampage and Dynamite, and the pay-per-views. With that being said, I gave my my little asterisk. I'm allowed to have opinions on this product now on the booking. Typically, if you go back through the other episodes of this, a lot of my issues with AEW... A lot of it has been with Tony Khan or, or the superstars, the wrestlers, speaking or saying things that have nothing to do with the on-screen, but more so like Tony Khan saying stupid shit or wrestlers on podcasts or whatever saying stupid shit. And not I haven't really necessarily critiqued the booking as much as I could have. Um, but with me watching, especially shows that I watch, I'm going to critique the booking. So we are going to go through... The card for AEW Full Gear. Um, we'll go over my predictions and then what I thought of the match overall. So um, I put these matches in a different order than the way that they were in here um, when I did my predictions. And so we'll start. I'll try to get it as close to possible to the order. I don't remember the order that they went, but I'm gonna go as Close to possible. I know the first match and I know the last match. And we'll, we'll fill in the gaps between there, right? So we started with the Steel Cage match between Jungle Boy Jack Perry and um, Luchasaurus. Um, so first thing first, before we even talk about the match, I don't know what it was, but Luchasaurus' entrance like completely reminded me of of like early Kane, right? Um, you had the fire and the music was a little bit more dark and, you know, it was a masked guy walking to the ring, big guy, right? It reminded me of like early Kane, which could be, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, right? If Luchasaurus was entertaining, here's the problem Luchasaurus to me isn't entertaining. And on the level that Kane is. This match to me. um, I have a few problems with the match itself. The first one being. Not necessarily AEW's fault. But my fault. And not understanding that they do not have a. uh, I'm, I'm completely sort of. Used to WWE's steel cage matches. Where escaping the ring. Is a victory. Right, so essentially, what this match was was it wasn't a steel cage match. This was a Hell in a Cell match, but they can't use Hell in a Cell. But and, and why can't they? Because it is, you know, it's trademarked. But you could have come up with some more creative name other than, you know, just calling it a steel cage match. Because if you were a new viewer watching this product, like I looked at my brother when I was watching this with him last night. Um, and I said, he just won the match. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, he stepped out of the ring. And he's like, no, he's only pinned her submission. I said, since when? Like, when? like, and apparently this has always been the way w, uh, excuse me, AEW has done their steel cage matches. And to shame on me for not, you know, recognizing this. Shame on me for not knowing this. But a lot of it, uh, imagine if someone was new who has never watched AEW before. Every steel cage match I can remember watching. Um... If you escaped the cage, that was a way to win. And apparently AEW doesn't do it that way. So, and not explaining that. Maybe they did explain it and I just didn't catch it. But when he... Like, if I was on commentary, I would have, like, over-exaggerated the fact that he stepped out. And then had someone like Excalibur be like, no, no, that's not how we do it in AEW. Because I know for, at least for me, I was super confused. And and secondly, if you don't have the escape to win, the cage becomes useless. If you can just escape the cage and it doesn't guarantee you victory, there is no purpose for the cage being there. Right? It, it, it completely ruins the match. Be, the idea... What is the idea of the cage, then? If you could just escape the cage and nothing happens. you you Now all you have is a Hell in a Cell match. And I'll just be honest with you. This was... It was a good match. I'm not going to say it was shit. Um, but first off, completely predictable who was going to win. Completely predictable who was going to win. Um... And, yeah, it just, I'm not going to say, like, this was definitely not the worst match on the card. But I don't think that this brought the energy needed to start the night, right? You're, you want your starting match to sort of bring the energy. I personally would have done the next match first, and that was the Elite versus Death Triangle. Now I I wouldn't have I would have put them on first because of the amount of energy that their matches tend to bring the AEW crowd. Now I have no idea why people like this. Now we're going to talk about the booking of this match. Like I, so, I like that they they at least swerved me. I figured the Elite was just going to come in and win and get their titles back, right and that did not happen. Um, you had this sort of storyline of the the good guys in Death Triangle, which I'm assuming they're going to be the good guys. I don't really know. But you sort of have this story of, like, would you use a weapon to get ahead? Um, are you going to, you know, cheat to win? Which is the common theme of, of matches. Like, that happened three times. With with uh, Lucha Bros, it happened with Keith Lee, and it happened with MJF. Where there was a, you know, are you going to cheat to win the match, uh, right? Lucha, Lucha Bro, uh was it Ray Phoenix, ended up cheating, essentially, to win. Which isn't a bad thing. I'm not critiquing about the finish. What I'm really more upset with is they do this match... And we assume it's over. We assume the, the 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 match is over. Maybe it creates a feud where they go into, you know, having another match because, you know, cheating or whatever, you know, was done. But no. What they end up doing is later in the night, they address, oh, that was match one of a best of seven. Here are the remaining six matches. Now, here's the first thing. There's no way in hell you're going to tell me that this isn't going seven. If you have the events already planned out, you're not gonna have the events planned out and then not have that match happen. Right? Um, especially with like the West Coast crowd where you're at, right? I don't even have the, the graphics saved to even look it up. But I know it ends in LA. You're not gonna you're not gonna look ahead to the LA crowd and say, Hey, we're gonna have this best of seven end here in LA. But really, we're not because it's going to end after five. Now, it's going seven. And the way I see this happening is... So, if you don't know, best of seven means you just have to win four matches. Which means the Elite have to win four of the six remaining matches. And Death Triangle only needs to win three of the six remaining matches. Um, and what that means is, and what I, the way I see this happening, I think the next one will go... To the elite. No, even the the, um, the thing up. At one win, one win to one, like one to one, right? And then I think the next two matches will be Death Triangle's win. And I think it'll be a three to one. And you'll go into match number five. And uh, you'll boost up. Um, I'm going to find that graphic. Because part of me wants to believe. Uh, Do I have it saved first off? I don't think I do. Uh, I had it on Twitter. um, And I should have saved it. Um, Okay, so... Match two is on Wednesday in Chicago. The Elite are going to win that. Um, Match three, the week after in Indy. Match four is in Texas at Winter is Coming. And I think Death Triangle wins match three and four. Um, There's a week in between match three and four where there's no match, right? And then the next week after winter is coming is the Halloween or excuse me the holiday bash which is match 5. And I believe that match um, is going to be super booked. And what I mean by super booked is they're basically going to going to say win an elite loot and the elite are going to win there. And then they're going to go to Denver and the elite are going to win there. And then they're going to go to LA California, where the Jacksons are from, and the Elite are going to come back from a 3-1 deficit to win the titles in L.A. That's exactly what I think is going to happen. Um, So remember that. Um, This match... uh, I'll go ahead and preface this. I don't understand the, the drawl or the appeal of the Elite especially after the CM Punk Fnacle Like, there's so many people. Like, this is what irritates me. You go out, whether or not you instigated the the fight backstage or not, whether or not it was the Elite that started it or whether or not it was Punk's team that started it, you have EVPs who get su- suspended, removed from action, and their first match back... Is a title match What does that tell the rest of the roster It tells me Like if I was a If I was a signed competitor To that roster That tells me two things Number one It tells me that This is a friend's club I need to be friends with the elite if I want to stay here Because everyone involved in this situation That wasn't A friend of the elite being H. Steel and CM Punk is gone and everything that sort of led up and around it seems to be sort of sabotaging CM Punk to sort of preempt this type of behavior. It also tells me, number two, that if I were to get into some um, altercation with the EVPs, that they that they will not face any discipline. They're gonna get a little slap on the wrist, and then they're gonna come back and do whatever they, they you know, that they want to do. There's no like they, they, they should. I'm not mad that they came back and they weren't fined or suspended, you know, longer or, or fired. I don't care about that. I just they should not come back and sort of get handed a title opportunity. Storyline wise, it makes no sense. But also just what does that tell the rest of the locker room who bust their ass and, and behave and don't cause drama but they're not booked? What does that tell Miro who doesn't get booked but has to wait in catering while the elite who've been suspended for forever get to come back and do what they want to do? And they just had a little nice vacation where they could do whatever they want and rest up and, and heal and then they're going to come back right into the trio's title picture. And then, get, right, so that irritates me. This match was exactly what I expected it to be, which was a circus. This was a circus. This was Cirque du Soleil in a wrestling ring. The exact reason why I don't like the Elite at all. I knew exactly what this match was going to be. The minute it was announced, I knew exactly what this match was going to be. And then you announce the best of seven series, right, and I immediately took to Twitter and said, "AW fans are going to praise this while at the same time complain because the Usos and the New Day have fought, well, I think it's 16 times in the last six years. They'll complain, oh, the New Day and, and uh, the Usos fought way too many times. In the midst of their feud, they were right. They just had a match a few weeks ago, which made their 16th match in the last six years. That's 16 matches in the last six years. I'll agree, that's a lot of matches. But at the same time, like let's say we go seven, which is more than likely going to go seven, that will make 10 matches in three years. 10 matches in three years that the the Bucks and um, Lucha Bros have been together, right? and the match, every single Lucha Bros versus Young Bucks match is the same carbon copy of each other. There's a super kick party where all four of them stand there and take turns kicking the shit out of each other, which annoys the piss out of me, and then they do a bunch of flippy shit. And I, well, look, there's room on the card for flippy shit. But AEW seems to overdo it, right? And then you have like Canadian Destroyers and and uh, Tombstones and, and Pile Drivers and, and all these moves that are supposed to be finishers. And there were so many false, every single match had tons of false finishes. That's annoying, right? No one gives a fuck about a finishing move in that company anymore. So what's the point of even having a finishing move if it's not going to finish somebody, right? But they do 12 false finishes so that the crowd can can cream their pants at, at how close it almost happened, right? But it's annoying. It happened every single match. Yeah, to me, this was like, ex- again, the, the uh, Elite versus Death Triangle was not the worst match on the card. It was exactly what I thought it would be. It wasn't entertaining to me. I had I have no idea what the appeal of the elite is in this, right? And I'm not like, oh, CM Punk is guiltless, and and oh, I hate the elite only because of I hated the elite three years ago when they created all Elite Wrestling. I didn't understand the appeal then, and I right to me all Elite Wrestling them starting it was more of a we can't get over with the american crowd so we're going to create our own company and force ourselves over. That's what I see AEW as really um and I don't know. It just this we're going to move on. This match just it was exactly what I thought it would be. Um I don't remember what match happened next in 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 order. I'm um, I think it was Jade versus Ni- uh, Nyla Rose. Um, so first thing that I noticed is Vicky Guerrero wore a Ripley shirt which is fucking hilarious. The I'm your mommy shirt. That's fucking hilarious. That even even on their own show WWE you know sells. Right? You're promoting WWE whether or not you notice, know you know it on the show and Tony Khan probably cleared it. And probably said, sure, yeah, why not? Let's try to, like, extend a hand. Meanwhile, like, Triple H is just laughing. Oh, you have to use my product, my IP, to, you know, get yourself over. Um, This match was a train wreck to begin with. Um, The story makes no sense. I'll say this. AEW did a good job sort of... telling us what the story leading into these matches were. They did a good job doing that. I'm glad that they did it. Um, but the story to me makes no sense. So Nyla steals the title and is claiming to be champion, but Jade, right, and so so Nyla's trying, like Jade's trying to get her title back, but she never lost it. It was stolen. Dumbass storyline to me. But Jade ultimately ends up winning. I don't know what the hell they want to do with Jade Cargill here. Um this was a clusterfuck. Jade needs to learn how to sell. There was a point in the match where she was hung up on the ropes, and instead of instead of selling it, just straight up in the middle of being hung up on the ropes, she started fixing her her gear. It looked like it was like wedged up in her ass cheeks. And she started to to fix it. And I understand you want to be comfortable and you don't want to expose anything. But at the same time, you have to learn how to like do that to where it's not easily caught. And people caught that. It was easily recognizable that you weren't selling. And you have to do it in a way that would sell what's happening, right? So if you could have waited, you know, three seconds later, you were going to get kicked in the face and you could have fallen off the ropes, right? But after that, They did, like, one more move. She did, like, a slam, and then they literally, in the middle of the match, just laid on the mat for what I would assume would be, like, an oxygen break so they could catch their breath and maybe talk about, like, discuss, like, what the next, like, segment of the match would be, but they sat there for, like, 45 seconds, and Aubrey started counting, but she got to, like, five and then stopped counting, Right, very inconsistent refing, in my opinion. But like, they literally sat there for like forty-five seconds. It was it was just awful. This match, this match to me is the worst match of the night, and and it's not because it's Nyla Rose. I could give two fucks who the performers were. This was just the the. And again, I, uh, I'll give credit. They swerved me with the second match. That one wasn't predictable, but Jade winning this match was a thousand percent predictable. Um, all right, so we'll move forward. I want to say the next match was the Fatal 4-Way. In this match right here sort of ends. like So those first three matches, there was energy in the crowd. The crowd was into it. And it was somewhat interesting, right? This match right here, Fatal 4-Way for the ROH World Championship, Just, to me, sucked all the momentum out of the crowd. The crowd did not give two shits about this match. I don't give two shits about this match. You look at what we have here. Now, my prediction was Sammy Guevara was going to win. With the reasoning being, Claudio's won the world title. Jericho, of course, has won the world title. And Danielson has won the world title. For ROH. And Sammy hasn't won a world title yet. In AEW. And so this could have been a way to promote the younger star and to push him, but no, they don't do that. They they do the predictable um, shit where um, Sammy and Chris Jericho get into it. They started working together, and then at one point, like Jericho, like pushed away Sammy and did a move, and Jericho like did this uh, lion salt and. He, I think it was Danielson he hit. But as sort of like secondary target, you know, Guevara got hit as well. And Guevara came back in the ring and sort of pulled Jericho off. And they started fighting. And this was predictable to happen. But that doesn't mean that Jericho has to You could have had this happen and then have Sammy have Sammy cost Jericho to win and then have Sammy win. And then you could battle for the next three months, over the title between Sammy and Jericho, with Sammy as champion and J- Sammy going over. But what they're doing is, I'm I'm guaranteeing they're gonna put Sammy over at a bigger event, maybe something. They're gonna try to save it for like a Winner Is Coming event, which is dumb as fuck. Um, like this, Sammy should have won. Um, and then the other two were just there because. Danielson is good with everyone he works with, and Claudio is good with everyone he works with. And I saw tweets about, like, WWE dropped the ball with with Cesaro. And I said, no, he did not. And, like, there were tweets that said, no, he did not. He was a multi-time uh, tag team champion. He was uh, in may, mid-card p- title pictures. I don't think he won, in, but he was part of one of the biggest tag teams of the last 10 years in WWE. Multi-time tag team was pretty decent in the bar with with Sheamus, and you're just like like, oh, what did Vince not seeing him? Well, seeing what? What he didn't see was a a, a guy that could sell product. Cesaro is the, the personality of a wet paper bag. He's great in the ring, like I said earlier, though. The moves don't matter. The matches don't matter if you're not selling. And Claudio doesn't sell. Why do they strip the ROH title and put it on Jericho? Because Jericho can at least sell ROH to the network. Claudio doesn't sell to the network. Claudio just doesn't sell. He doesn't have the name recognition. He doesn't have the ability to, like, like he's he doesn't tell the best promo. He's very good in the ring, but his personality, his charisma on a scale of one to ten is like a one. Right? So the only thing I'm really upset with this is they're go they, they kept it on Jericho, understandably, but and they're gonna have the same feud that I wanted between Guevara and and Jericho. I just wanted Guevara to win the title now. And to defend the title. And to build this big defense. That way when ROH gets on TV. he He's a legitimate champion. And. You know he's been built up. As world champion for ROH. Rather than like. Waiting for the debut. And having him beat Jericho. Which is what I feel they're going to do. We'll move on to the next match. Which. This was a complete. Swerve to me too. I. It's the triple threat for the TNT champion between Samoa Joe, Powerhouse Hobbs, and uh, Wardlow. I don't have much to say about the match. No, this definitely wasn't, and this definitely is not in order. This was like one of the last three matches. Um, but this match definitely was a big swerve. I did not see Samoa Joe winning. I thought Joe was solely in this match to take the pin. I wanted Hobbs to win. They really need to push Hobbs, man. I don't know if Wardlow and Hobbs are going to get into a feud or something. I don't know where they're headed with it. Um, but Joe being like essentially the TV champion for ROH and for AEW, that's weird to me. I don't understand that, but we'll see where it goes. I'm not going to shit on it. It wasn't a bad match. Um, I liked everyone involved in the match. Um, I just can't get over the fact that Samoa Joe, every time I see Samoa Joe now, all I see is, damn, you're the guy that they fired and and literally gave the same gimmick that you had in WWE to Solo Sokoa. So every time I see Samoa Joe, that's what I picture. I was like, oh, you're the guy that they paid Solo Sokoa to, to replace, essentially. That's literally like the the Samoan dude in the... In the the same style shorts with the towel and, and and over his head on the entrance. That's literally the same gimmick. Um, we we'll move on to Britt Baker and Soraya. Now I wanted Britt to win solely because I'm a Britt fan. I think Britt Baker is the best woman on the roster solely because of her promo skills. Now we're gonna talk about the actual match itself. Wasn't bad but very predictable that Soraya was going to win. It wasn't necessarily a very bad match, but what you end up having to happen here is because Soraya hadn't had a match in five years. Now, I I know you're trying to tell the story of, like, Ring Rust, but I really wish, especially in AEW, that that they would legitimately say, like, I want to know, did she have any, like, training, did she get back in the ring leading up to, in the last five years, did Soraya take a bump? Because I was under the impression that she hadn't. And that, like, the first time she took a bump, and she, she sold it. And she did a very good job at it. Like, I didn't hate Paige. When she was in WWE, I didn't hate Paige because she wasn't good. I wasn't a fan of her. I didn't think she was a star at the time with the division that we had at the time. I just didn't think that she was the best there, and she, I wasn't a fan of her. Um, but with that said, she's a good seller. She's She grew up in the wrestling business. So the storyline of, oh, I've been through hell and back, and I want to be, like, motivation. First off, you fucking, like, you're not a motivation. Your sex tape leaked. You were in a relationship with Alberto Del Rio where you got strung out on drugs, and you luckily got out of that, and... You, you you overcame it. Congratulations, you, you overcame addiction. But you're not a role model. Like, if I had a daughter, I wouldn't say, you see that? I want you to be that. And then also, you grew up in the business. Right? This, this, this wasn't like you were just some nobody who started training one day and now you're an AEW. Right? Like you're not the only one that struggled. Like your opponent, Britt Baker, uh, I heard this. This isn't my original thought, but it is a great point. I got it from uh, Notorious Nerdy D on the Casual Wrestling, uh, the Casual Wrestling Community Podcast Show on YouTube. Look that up. Um, and and this was uh, basically his thought, and I agree with it. That Britt Baker went to fucking medical school. That shit is hard. She's she's literally a dentist. That's 10 plus years of schooling. Right? Like, hey, Soraya wasn't the only person who struggled in this industry. She came from a family that did this. Right? If anything, you should have made it because you had family to train you forever. Like... You're like a seven, I think they said she was like a 17 year veteran. She started when she was like 13, 14. Like, I have no pity because your sex tape leaked and you got strung out on drugs. I'm glad you made it out of that shitty situation. But, like, the story doesn't make sense. And of course, she was going to win, especially with her brother being there and they're making a big deal about that. We all knew the, that she was going to win. Here's my problem with the match. With it being her first match, I want to know if she like legitimately took a bump before this match. Because... Now, we knew they were going to sell the neck injury. And her first bump, she sold it well. Soraya did a very good job. I'm not like hating on Soraya. Um, I'm more so hating on the booking of... This was her first match back. And you put her in the ring with Britt. Which, if I'm honest... Brit had to carry this match because you don't know what you're getting out of Soraya. So Britt had the carry. And traditionally the heels carry the match anyway. Um, if I understand like the business. I don't I don't pretend to understand how like calling the match works. But from if I remember correctly from like podcasts that I've heard, like the heel typically calls the match anyway. But Britt's not the best in the ring, she's actually very mid in the ring, if I had to rank the women's division on pure, like, wrestling ability, right, this match completely exposed how bad Britt is in the ring, right? A lot of times, you know, like, Brit it was, Britt, to me, is made for the WWE system because WWE would have put her in a situation where, num- even though she's not the best in the ring, it's going to look good. AEW puts her in a situation where, Soraya hasn't had a match in five years. We don't know how she's going to go and how she's going to perform. And now Britt, who is really a bottom-tier wrestler in your company in terms of wrestling ability, now has to try to make her look good. And it, it the match wasn't bad, but it also wasn't good. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, this thing was pretty decent. No. it it I'm not going to say it was like hot shit, but it wasn't like... Like it's still like a D plus match, you barely passed, but it exposed so it made Britt look bad because it exposed her weakness in this industry, which is in ring. Um, but it also made Soraya look bad because it's her first match back, and she's working with someone who is exposed, and so no one comes out on top as oh this put you guys over um I just w- I would have put Soraya back with someone else who probably could have carried the match a little better and has a lot more be- like a lot better in ring ability that's just that's the only critique I have for the match uh sting Darby Allen versus Lethal and Jeff Jarrett I'm not even gonna waste too much this shouldn't have even been on the card can we be honest this should not have been on the card uh sting and Darby won we- predictable we knew that was gonna happen. Um, I think we got three matches left. Tony Storm and Jamie, and Jamie Hader was a pretty decent match. Um, like, like I'll be honest, I would have rather Soraya's first match been against Tony Storm and sort of a WWE-esque booking and had Soraya won the title on her first night back as a wrestler. And her first match on AEW had her won the title, right? To sort of copy that sort of WWE with Paige winning the Divas title on her first night on Raw, right? I would have, like, if you're going to make fun and copy a bunch of shit like you have been AEW, do something like that. Because Tony Storm would have been able to control the match a lot better than Britt Baker would have. That's just me. Um, but Hater ends up winning. I think this was another one of those matches like Britt interfered. Um, Hater's now your champion, which I'm not against. I love Jamie Hayter. I think she's a future superstar. Here's my problem. She's the interim champion. Which means Summer... Summer? Thunder Rosa is still going to come back and claim that she's champion. And we're going to get Rosa versus Jamie Hayter. Which either means you're completely burying Rosa when she comes back so that Hayter's the real champion. Or Jamie right now is currently sitting as the champion. On an interim basis until Th- Thunder Rosa decides to come back probably at winter is coming and and then you're going to have Thunder become champion again i don't like this is this is my problem with the interim champion and i think a lot of people AEW fans included can agree with this we need to drop the interim champion right if thunder can't you know defend her championship then she's no longer champion and you vacated, and you crown a new champion so that you can continue telling stories and without it looking like a clusterfuck like this is going to look when Thunder Rosa comes back. I'm happy for Jamie. She should have won the match. She should be champion. But you're, I feel like they're holding out on the inevitable so that they can bring back Rosa. I personally feel this is going to end up with Rosa coming back Rosa losing, Jamie Hayter retaining and actually becoming, you know, the actual AEW champion, and then Britt turning on Hayter. Like, what should have happened yesterday. Like, Hayter should have held the title, had the hand raised with Britt, and Britt should have turned. But I'm afraid that they don't want to go ahead and do the turn because what you're probably going to have happen is have Britt attack Rosa to make sure Jamie retains champion. Right? Um, again, not a bad match. Like a C. Maybe a B-. minus. Not a bad match. But this the way the story is being told, I would have liked a lot more out of. Which leaves the final two matches of the night. The Acclaimed versus Swerve in Our Glory. Um, again, not a bad match. It was pretty good. But you have a repeated story here. Swerve is saying, you know, attack this man. Use the the bolt cutters or whatever the hell they were. Break the fingers. And Keith Lee says no. So he gets slapped. And Keith Lee sort of leaves Swerve in the middle of the ring. There's your turn. We knew, again, very predictable turn. We knew it was happening. Again, not bad. It's just repeated, same overbooked overbooked matches, overbooked pay-per-views, too many matches, and very predictable card. I wanted Swerve to win, but of course, the Acclaimed kept the titles. And then MJF versus Moxley. Very predictable turn by Regal. Mox won the the vacation. Now he can take it. And you have storyline for the rest of Blackpool uh, Combat Club as to why Regal turned and what was the whole plan behind it, right? And now you, now you have a storyline as to, you know, when was this plan? Like, you have Story leading MJF as champion. Um, this was the, probably the smartest move of the night. If MJF would have left Newark without the title, of Mox would have won this match, I don't know if AEW is, you know getting out of, if Tony Khan's getting out of that arena, right, um, and then MJF goes to the media scrum and probably cuts the best promo of for AEW for the year, um, <laughs> fantastic, fantastic promo, I liked it, what I didn't like about it was that Tony just sat there like a little bitch and allowed MJF to down talk the media like if I was Tony Khan, even just as a story, right? I, this is this is, even in character. If I'm Tony Khan, this is what if Tony Khan's going to be on camera or involved in these media scrums, he needs to at least have an on-camera personality, right? Because if it was me, right, and MJF came in there and he started, Now, I don't mind the cussing; that doesn't bother me, but he he. He insulted uh, the media. He insulted AEW, and he insulted Tony Khan. So if I was Tony Khan, at least on like a you know character side of things, the kayfabe side of it, have this character where like, okay, I'm a I'm I will sit back. I'll let you insult the the, the media. It doesn't bother me. Now you're insulting my company. Now you're insulting me. Now that's three strikes. You're out. And if I was Tony Khan when he would have said that and MJF looked back at him and said, oh, "No if I put this motherfucker over and pointed at Tony. And and then MJF turned around and said, no offense. That was third strike. So if I was Tony, I would have created a story out of it. And was like, no, no, no. Offense fully taken. You're not going to insult the media, my company... My wrestlers and me, we're going to talk about this, you know, later, but you're not, you're going to be punished for it. Or at least like if you're going to continue to jab at punk, this would have been a perfect time to jab at punk and been like, but instead for the second media scrum in a row, Tony Khan just lets his superstars say whatever he says, say whatever they want to say. And he just sits back like a little bitch and allows them to do it. And at least from a character perspective, you could have created storyline from this. But he's just going to sit there and, and get shit on. Just as a personal aside, like, Tony, defend your fucking company, man. Even, I know MJF was in character. But defend it. Like, create a story. Make it interesting. If Tony Khan... Would have had a screaming match with MJF last night, don't you think people would still be talking about that shit? <sighs> right? Um, overall, my overall takeaway from Full Gear was that it was an overbloated card with that was highly predictable. Doesn't mean it was bad, but it was definitely <sighs> Personally, I think it was their second best. Shit. It was their second best uh Pay-per-view of, of the year. I've seen most of their pay-per-views. Uh, my favorite was still the New Japan crossover. I thought that, uh, what was it, Forbidden Door? I thought that was a fantastic pay-per-view. Even though I didn't know half of who. And that's what I wanted to talk about. I didn't talk about the pre-show. But Eddie Kingston has become the king of fighting unknown Japanese superstars. In matches that mean absolutely nothing. and our shit shows. That was a shit show of a match. I'm not going to waste any more time on it. But, and then he gets on the mic and starts, like, crying. And this is, this is, this is my, like, why are you crying? Like, this shit, it annoys the piss out of me. I don't like Eddie Kingston. I used to like Eddie Kingston. But I think, and I'm going to say this, Eddie Kingston is the worst professional wrestler I've ever seen on TV. He can beat my ass for, like, oh, you wouldn't say that to him? Yeah, I would. If I came up to Eddie Kingston, I'm like, you're the worst professional wrestler I've ever seen. You know why? Because that type of list shit is subjective. And if, if that hurts his fucking feelings, he can go take his snowflake feelings somewhere else. Eddie Kingston is the worst fucking wrestler I've ever seen in my life. He can't cut a promo to save his goddamn life. Like, they, they, they told him to sell the match, right? Now, I didn't even know who he was fighting or what the hell he was doing on the (laughs) pre-show, right? I turned it on, and he was on the screen, and he was in an interview with Renee. and this is basically your chance to sell everyone tuning into the pre-show. Why should we give a fuck about this match? And rather than saying, you know, oh, this is my icon, this is the guy I grew up, he couldn't get fucking words out of his mouth. He can't give a promo to save his fucking life, And the only people he can fight against are useless, nobody, Japanese wrestlers from when he wrestled in Japan, who were his icons that made him get into the, right, that the American crowd gives two shits about. And then you're going to cry after you win. Like, what the, you're the worst fucking professional wrestler I've ever seen in my life. The worst. And I would say that to his face. Because again, it's subjective. And if he gets mad, so fucking be it. Oh, but and I know, like, I'm gonna post that clip on TikTok. I'm clipping that shit. I'm posting it on TikTok. And I know exactly what the response is going to be. Oh, you're not a wrestler. You can't talk about these things. You're not a wrestler. You're not allowed to judge someone's professional wrestling. Fuck you. I can I can have an opinion on this shit. Cause I'm a fan who paid money to watch a match. Now the pre-show was free, but but you get the point. Like right? I'm a fan who spent time. Time is work, like valuable, more valuable to money to me. I spent my time to sit here and watch this match, and it fucking sucked. And he does these like, I guess they call him like machine gun chops, and they're the weakest fucking chops I've ever seen in my life. The weakest chops I've ever seen in my life. And he does them every fucking match. I don't know, man. He's the worst. And I like I said, I would say this to his fucking face. And if he got mad, that's on him. Not on me. Because that's my opinion. That doesn't mean it's fact. It's my opinion. <coughs> Excuse me. Eddie Kingston's the worst... Fucking wrestler on the planet. Um, I digress. Like I said. Uh, overbooked. Over predictable. Um, very long card. Like you had like t- eight matches. <coughs> and it took like five hours. because, And I knew it would when I saw how long the card was. I knew that thing wasn't going to be over. You know after four hours it was going to be five. Um, because everyone has to get in their 30 minute bangers, right? Or, or your 20 minute banger. Right. Um, I, it wasn't bad. I think it's maybe their second or third best event of the year. Um, but it left a lot to be desired. Um, with that being said, with that being said, um, I'm going to go ahead and announce this, this or our announcements before I I leave, and in this episode, with Survivor Series War Games being Saturday coming up, <clears throat> I am going to plan a podcast episode after Survivor Series. Um, the f- episode after Survivor Series would be the Survivor Series uh, review, sort of like this, just me. And then the next one after that will be um, yearly awards, and so it may just be me, or it may I may have some friends on. We'll see, and uh, we're, we'll we'll talk. You know, match of the year, feud of the year, stuff like that. I haven't come up with all the categories of awards I want to hand out, but that is coming up within the next two weeks. Um. And so I'm looking forward for that. Look out for that episode. Um, but with that, this has been another episode of the Slapping Me Wrestling Podcast. Um, you can find me on TikTok at We 2 Deep Four One Three. That's W E T O O D E E P Four One Three. Twitter's the same as well. Go follow me on both of those, and I'll see you on the next episode.